This is the message from Connection Community Church for Sunday, October 10th, 2021. The Broken Road, Rebecca. Well, good morning, Connection Church. I couldn't hear you. The music was too loud. Good morning. That's good. Good morning here at home, wherever you might be. Welcome to Connection Church. We're so glad you're here this morning. Isn't this a, in spite of the rain, isn't this a glorious day to be a part of God's kingdom? Can I get an amen? Amen. Amen. Today, we continue our series, The Broken Road, where we're looking at four women from the first book of the Bible, the Genesis, four women who traveled the broken road in their lives, either through their own choices, choices of somebody else, or the combination of both. This morning, we walked a broken road with Rebecca. My name is Carrie Jones. I'm Alan Jones. And we are two sinners who have been saved by the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We are just honored and blessed that you have chosen to worship with us today, whether it's your very first time or your hundredth time. It is a blessing. Those of you who are online, hey, hey, how you doing? It's good to see you. I see some names popping up. And um, Lorraine, thanks for being the online host. And hello to uh, Ines and Marianne and Terry and uh, Brian and hey, Tim. Uh, and we've got uh, Doris and lots and lots of people. We are one church, many locations. Would you pray with us, please? God, thank you so much for today. Thank you for bringing us here, either here or online. It's no accident that... Um, we're spending time with you this morning. Settle us in that we might be changed and transformed by your love. I pray this in the name of the Father and the Son and by the power of the Holy Spirit. Everybody agreed and said, Amen. 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 And so today we're talking about the broken road and Rebecca is the person, the character, the real person that we're talking about. We are first introduced to her in Genesis that's the very book, first book of the Bible in chapter 24. Now to set the scene, Sarah had died and Abraham was very old. Abraham was known as the father of many nations. Abraham tells his chief servant, his name was Eleazar, to go back to Haran, which was Abraham's homeland, and to get a wife for his son, Isaac. So Eleazar took 10 of Abraham's camels with him and traveled 500 miles. Can you imagine back in that day, pre-Jesus, 500 miles on foot or on camel, wow, give or take, to Haran. Anybody here ever ridden 500 miles on a camel? Okay, you know, it's hard for us to gather that. Okay, so he had the, he finally, 500 miles, he's there. He had the camels near, kneel down near the well, which was outside of town. They keep the well outside because of the animals and all that. And then he, the, um, the uh, servant of Abram, Abraham, his servant, um, uh, he prayed. And this is really an interesting prayer that he offers. Lord God of my master Abraham, Make me successful today. Wouldn't this be a great prayer for each of us to start the day with? Lord, make me successful today. Whatever you determine success, Lord. 
and show kindness to my master Abraham. See, I am standing beside this spring, this well, and the daughters of the townspeople are coming out to draw water. Now, this is a great prayer because he's, he's asking for a sign. He, in fact, he's given God the sign he, he wants so he'll know that he's hit pay dirt here. May it be that when I say to a young woman, please let down your jar that I may have a drink, and she says, drink and I'll water your camels too, let her be the one you have chosen for your servant Isaac. By this I will know that you have shown kindness to my master. Isn't that a great prayer? Yeah. Well, Scripture tells us that before he is even finished praying, Rebecca comes out with a jar on her shoulder. She was the granddaughter of Abraham's brother, making her Isaac's cousin once removed. Now, back then, there was a lot of intermarrying. It seems strange to us, but that's the way it was back then. Scripture tells us, and this is right out of Scripture, that she was beautiful and that she was a virgin, that no man had slept with her. So this was a very important point that uh, the writer God wanted us to know about. So she fills her jar. She comes back. Eliezer asked for a drink, and she gave him one. After she had given him a drink, she said, I'll draw water for your camels too until they have had enough to drink. So she quickly emptied her jar into the trough, ran back to the well to draw more water, and drew enough for all his camels. It's really interesting in Scripture how some things get a great big explanation, and other things are kind of thrown aside like nothing. Like earlier when Carrie said they traveled 500 miles, that took all the way of a period in that sentence, from one sentence to the next, that 500 miles took place. Here, this brief passage doesn't come close to sharing what the effort involved was for watering these camels. Let's do the math. Ten camels, a camel can hold 25 to 30 gallons of water. Let's say 25. That's 250 gallons of water. She's got this jar on her shoulder. Maybe it's, what, maybe five gallons? I think 10 would be a lot tougher for her to carry. Five gallons. She goes to the well, and she doesn't just has to take it over then to the trough to pour it out. And, you know, in the well, you got to go down for the water. 250 gallons divided by five, that's 50. She has to make it 50 trips to the well. If it only takes one minute a trip, that's close to an hour. I'll bet you it takes two or three minutes. She's two, three, maybe even four hours watering these camels. And all it says is she quickly emptied her jar and trough and ran back for some more water. Yeah, she ran back all right, 50 times. Hey, this gal is ambitious, energetic, spunky. I mean, she asked for this. She said, can I do this? This is a good girl for Isaac, isn't it? Yeah, she got a lot on the ball here. So Eliezer spoke to her about becoming his wife. This is interesting, too. She doesn't know Isaac. Spoke to her, and in, in that culture, she also spoke to her father and her brother, they said, okay, but wanted her to spend a little more time at home. She said, no, I'm getting out of here. And um, so they all agreed and, and, they, and, and, and that she would become Isaac's wife, and then they head back, head back to Canaan. And, and once they got there, Eliezer then shares with Isaac, Abraham's son, all that happened. 
Isaac brought her into the tent of her mother Sarah, and he married Rebekah. So she became his wife, and he loved her. And Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. Mm. Wow, and the music crescendos, and the cameras fade, and it's love after after, ever after, a match made in heaven, the end. Well, not exactly. No. This isn't Hollywood, is it? <laughs> and, and this isn't just a script that's being acted out. It's, it's real life, and in real life, the match may be made in heaven, but it's lived out here on earth. Can I get an amen? <laughs> and when it's lived out on earth, that means there's always some challenges, aren't there? Everybody who's here married here will agree with that. I know Kerry will especially agree with that. There's some challenges there. The road's not always smooth, is it? There are bumps along the way. As we're talking in this series, sometimes the road is broken. The road's broken. And as time passes, sometimes it gets more broken and more broken. So later, later, there was a famine in the land. And Isaac went to Abimelech, who was the king of the Philistines, in a place called Gerar. The Lord appeared to Isaac and said, stay where you're at. God would bless him with descendants and with land and blessing, just like his father Abraham. So Isaac stayed in Gerar. Starting at Genesis 26, 7, going through 11. When the men of that place asked him about his wife, he, Isaac, said, she is my sister. Because he was afraid to say she is my wife. He thought the men of that, this place might kill me on account of Rebekah because she's beautiful. When Isaac had been there a long time, Abimelech, king of the Philistines, looked down from a window and saw Isaac correct, caressing his wife, Rebekah. Apparently, brothers and sisters don't do that here. So Abimelech summoned Isaac and said, she is really your wife. Why did you say she's my sister? And Isaac answered him, because I thought I might lose my life on account of her. And then Abimelech said, what is this that you have done to us? One of the men might have slept with your wife, and you would have brought guilt upon us. Isn't it interesting that this guy has more character than Isaac at this point in time? Um, so Abimelech gave orders to all the people. Anyone who arms this man or his wife shall surely be put to death. Wow. Well, we see here that the apple does not fall far from the tree. Years before, Isaac's father, Abraham, also claimed that his wife, Sarah, to be a sister. Now, the difference was Sarah was Abraham's half-sister, but that is not the case for Rebekah. Rebekah is Isaac's cousin once removed, but Isaac is really fearful. He is fearful so much that he puts his wife, wife's life um, in a precarious situation. Welcome to the broken road. <laughs> Later on, we find that broken road was a two-way street for Isaac and Rebecca. Like her mother-in-law, Sarah, Rebecca was barren, unable to have children. Married at 40, Isaac was still waiting for children uh, 19 years later. Rather than taking matters into his own hand, as Sarah and Abraham, his parents, had done, um, 
he, he prayed to the Lord on behalf of his wife. And, and the Lord answered Isaac's prayer. And, and uh, Rebecca became pregnant with twins, with twins. And the babies jostled inside her. And she asked, why is this happening to me? And the Lord told her that two nations were in her womb. And two peoples will be separated. One will be stronger than the other. And check this out. The older will serve the younger. Very unusual in that culture. The older will serve the younger. And so at birth, the first one to come out was red and hairy. So they called him Esau, which means hairy. And they also called him Edom, which means red. You know, later in the Bible, we hear about the Edomites. Here it is. This is the start of the Edomite nation there. Now, his brother came out grasping Esau's heel. Isn't that something? Grasping the heel of his older brother. And so they named him G uh, Jacob, which means heel grabber. That's the literal. But the figuratively means grabbing the heel, you know, grabbing for all he can get. The deceiver. The deceiver. And boy, he lived up to that name. Well, Esau was the outdoorsy type. Ooh. He was a, a sportsman. He was... Um, he liked to hunt. Jacob was more of an inside kind of guy. He lived up to his name, heel grabber. He was a deceiver. He was an opportunist, Jacob, for most of his life. For example, once he was cooking some stew, and his brother Esau came in and said he was hungry, very hungry. And so he asked his brother for a bowl of stew. There must have been a little competitiveness. We know that there was between Esau and Jacob. And so little brother Jacob said, you can have some stew, but sell me, give me your birthright. <laughs> now, we don't talk about birthright today, but back then it was a really big deal. The birthright um, had privileges, including being um, the status of the head of the family when the father passed away. It also included a double portion of inheritance. So this was, this was big. Esau was hungry. <laughs> and so not really thinking through the situation, he was a little bit uh, impulsive. He just said he was going to die from hunger. And so what good was a birthright if you're dying from hunger? So he had a bowl of the, of the stew. He swore an oath selling his birthright and got his stew. Mm. I hope that was good stew, man. That was expensive stuff, right? Anyway, many years later, when his father Isaac was old and his eyes were so weak that he really couldn't see, he called for Esau, his older son, his favorite. It was his favorite. And so Isaac asked Esau to hunt some wild game, prepare him a tasty food that he liked before, and, and, and they wanted to bring him in and eat the food and give him his blessing before he died, before Isaac died. And according to GodQuestions.org, receiving a blessing from one's father was high honor, and losing a blessing was virtually a curse. An Old Testament blessing of a father to a son included words of encouragement, details of the inheritance of each son, and prophetic words concerning the, the future the son's future. Picking it up at verse 5. Now, Rebekah was listening as Isaac spoke to his son Esau, his favorite. 
When Esau left for the open country to hunt game and bring it back, Rebekah said to her son Jacob, her favorite, <laughs> Look, I overheard your father say to your brother Esau, Bring me some game and prepare me some tasty food to eat, so that I may give you my blessing in the presence of the Lord before I die. Now, my son, listen carefully and do what I tell you. Go out to the flock and bring me two choice young goats so I can prepare some tasty food for your father just the way he likes it. Then take it to your father to eat so that he may give you his blessing before he dies. I was at a funeral the other day, an old family friend, um, church friend from downstate, and it was time to, for people to share about this great guy. And the son and a, a grandson both got up to speak, and each one started off by claiming to be favorites <laughs> of dad slash granddad. And it, it was funny, you know, but um, seems like every kid wants to be the favorite, didn't it? doesn't it? And maybe you're a favorite, or maybe you weren't a favorite, and maybe you had favorites. I don't know. Or maybe you were in a house that didn't have favorites. The problem, though, is, is parents having favorites is not a good thing, is it? It doesn't seem to ever be a good thing. And, um, and, and then, like in Rebecca, helping a child deceive the other parent is definitely the beginnings of some broken road. Definitely. You know, it's that character that, that, uh, that Rebecca showed back when she was watering the camels is, is definitely not being dis displayed here. And, and it's really interesting that she's the one that the, conceives of this plan of deception rather than Jacob, the heel grabber, the deceiver. Yeah. Well, Jacob protests, not because he thinks what she is proposing is wrong, <laughs> but he protests because he might get caught. And that might bring a curse down upon himself rather than a blessing. And so he reminds mom that his brother Esau is hairy and his skin is really smooth. What if dad touches me? He asks. And so she tells him to let the curse fall on her and just do what she says and go and get the goats. Wow. This woman's determined, isn't she? She is determined for her, her favorite boy to get the blessing, not afraid of possible negative consequences for her or her boy. So Jacob does his mom said, we don't know how old he is here, but he's not a kid. <laughs> he's not a child, that's for sure. But he does his mom says, brings back the goats, and she prepares some tasty food just the way her husband likes it. Now it really gets interesting. Isn't this like a soap opera? I mean, the Bible just, it just kills me. She took the best clothes of her other son, Esau, her older son, and she put them on Jacob, the younger, and then she covers his arm and the smooth part of the back of his neck with goat skin. Doesn't tell us how she attached, I don't know, probably not a stapler, maybe it was duct tape or something, I don't know, we don't know how she got it on there, but she had something. And then she handed him the tasty food and some bread she'd made, man, she's going all out, and tells her boy to go, go give it to his father. She's, she's head up, isn't she? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> All right. All right. Anyway, Jacob goes to his dad, and he lies when his dad <laughs> asks him who he is. I think this is 
like really a sad story, quite honestly. It, it breaks my heart when I read some of this. And, you know, we can laugh, but it's not funny. It's, it's heartbreaking. So dad has Jacob come closer to find out if it really is Esau. And Jacob moved closer, and dad touched him. And he recognized his voice to be that of Jacob, but the hairy hands of Esau. So goat skin, it, it just blows my mind, really, that all this played out. But it did. And he asked his son, if he asked Jacob if he's really Esau. And Jacob again lies and says yes. And so dad asked for some tasty food to eat so that he might bless the boy. He's not only blind, but he's not real sharp at this point, is he? Jacob brought it to him, the food to him, and he ate. And he brought some wine and he drank. And then the father, uh, his father Isaac said to him, come here, my son, and kiss me. So I went and kissed him. And when Isaac caught the smell of his clothes, you know, they were his brother's clothes, he blessed him and said, ah, oh, the smell of my son is like the smell of a field that the Lord has blessed. May God give you heaven's dew and earth's richness and abundance of grain and new wine. See that, you know, he, he's, he's, you know, not only blessing, but looking to the future of what's to, what's to come, you know. He's, may nations serve you and people bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers and may the sons of your mother bow down to you. May those who curse you be cursed, and those who bless you be blessed. Wow, prophetic. So Jacob left, and not long after that, Esau comes in, only to find that his father had unknowingly given the blessing to his brother Jacob. And so Esau begs to his father, can you just imagine? And then it just gets sadder and sadder here, because his father Isaac answered him, your dwelling will be away from the earth's riches, away from the dew of heaven above. You will live by the sword, and you will serve your brother. Mm. But when you grow restless, you will throw his yoke off from off your neck. And so we have a, another broken road, don't we? And Rebecca was right there in the middle of it, helping with the lies and the deceit to happen. Scripture tells us that Esau held a grudge against Jacob because of the blessing his father had given him, you think? Yeah. And he planned on killing his brother once his father passed away. And so Rebekah continues her involvement, in breaking, breaking the road further, telling Jacob what Esau was planning to do and telling him to get out of town, telling him to go stay with her brother, his uncle, Laban, back at the homeland, back in Haran, uh, the and, and then she talked to her husband, and this is where it really gets slick. She talks to her husband and says she didn't want, doesn't want Jacob to marry any of these local girls. And so uh, Isaac, not really, he was being schemed by his wife, called Jacob in, blessed him again, and told him not to marry local to go back to the home country, to his mother's family home and take a wife there giving Jacob, telling Jacob what to do, giving him the excuse he needed to leave town, playing right into his wife's deceitful plans. Wow. The broken road. Sooner or later, 
each one of us have experienced a broken road, either from our own doing or the doing of others, or it could be just circumstances. It could be a combination. And this was no different for Rebecca either. The woman who watered 10 camels to a stranger was later compromised by her husband who claimed that she was his sister. And then she later deceived that same husband, Isaac, for the sake of her favorite son, Jacob, resulting in family division. And there was pain and there was suffering as a result of these decisions that she made. Everyone involved was affected. Family systems. I've done some studying on that through the years, and family systems are complicated <laughs> today, and they were complicated back in this time that we are reading about as well, the broken road. Mm. The broken road, you've experienced, we've experienced it, it's, it's part of life. But here's the thing, God patches the broken road for us. And then he uses it for his glory and for the benefit of us and others. The broken road um, of Rebecca helped separate the brothers Jacob and Esau for many, many, many years. They later on did reconcile. And when, 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 when Jacob knew that he was meeting his brother years later, he was very fearful. In fact, he separated from his family, went by himself because he was so fearful. And yet his brother met him peacefully on good terms. They, they, they embraced. And, and, I, and I think part of the reason is because God had, been, had blessed both of them in their separation, blessed them both with family, blessed them both with, with flocks, with, with some wealth. They, they both had done well. And so when they get back together, Esau wasn't ready to kill his brother anymore. And Jacob, the heel grabber, the deceiver, he had many children, including 12 sons. You probably heard about these 12 sons. We know them as the, the leaders of the 12 tribes of Israel. Wow. And, and his wife, Leah, one of the sons that she gave birth to was a guy named Judah. You've heard of Judah, that's a, and his territory, we're well known, Judah. Judah, the son of Isaac, grandson of Rebekah, is an ancestor of Jesus Christ. When we look in Matthew and Luke, we have the genealogy of Jesus, and in both of those genealogy lines, the name of Judah appears right there. Isn't that incredible? All this craziness, and yet the offspring is an ancestor of the Savior of the world. Wow. Once again, God patched the broken road in order to bring his plan to fruition, in order to bring good out of the brokenness that we create. Wow. The broken road. Jesus is the ultimate broken road patcher. <laughs> you know, in our lives, there are dips and there are uh, hills, and there are flat plains, and it was true back then. And we desperately need a Savior. Jesus is that 
one who, uh, because of his death on a cross and resurrection from the dead, he heals and brings us restoration. The ultimate road paver. Road paver, as Jeremy said, and his baptism was just beautiful this morning as well as Allie's today. But he said his road was so messed up, he had taken a jackhammer to his road that God gave him a whole new road. And that's what Jesus does for us. I don't know what's going on in your life, but I do know that some people here under the sound of my voice are really, really hurting inside to the point where you wonder if that heartache will ever go away. Or perhaps you're in the midst of a challenge that is so big, it's like a Goliath in your life. Or perhaps you have a feeling of feeling unloved and not wanted, and that feeling can go from little to way into our adulthood. But we're here to tell you that Jesus wants to make that right. He already did by coming for you and for me. No matter what you hear about yourself or feel about yourself, God speaks a different story into you. You are the daughter of a most high king. You are the son of the most high king. There's nothing you can do about it except to say, okay, I surrender to you. We all have broken roads. When I think about some of mine, boy, they are painful. But without Jesus to hold me through my broken roads, to hold you, boy, it's really a whole lot worse. And at the end, when I can look back and see those roads that were really messed up, God gets all the glory for me to even stand here today. He loves you, and he cares about you. And we pray that you feel encouraged along your journey, along the road, that he has come to pave it and make it smooth. And when there is a bump in the road, he will carry you every step of the way. That's the good news of the scripture. Let's live it and let's believe it. Amen? Amen. Would you pray with me, please? Almighty God, thank you for coming to save us. I know I have been lost off and on, never with, never out of your reach, and I'm so grateful. Lord, I would pray that anybody here today um, who's experiencing um, a tough road would sense and feel your presence and would take one step closer to you. Lord, we do that in faith. We thank you for holding us, for loving us, for caring for us, for your mercy and for your grace. Thank you for each person here today and online and for the God-given purpose that you plant inside of us. Help us explore it, embrace it, and live it. Lord, you are mighty to save. And we proclaim that in the name of the Father and the Son 
and by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for joining us for our podcast. For more information about Connection Community Church in Middletown, Delaware, please visit our website at justshowup.church. You can also call our church offices at 302-378-7692. Connection Community Church, connecting people with Jesus and the life he offers.